Hello and welcome back to the Christian Contrast Podcast, Outdoor Edition. Uh, we're just taking some extra precautions uh, right now, so Dan and I are uh, are outside, uh, socially distanced, and it's a nice day to be outside. It's a beautiful day. This I is mean, the best podcast episode ever because we get to be outside while we do it. Yeah, 80 degrees, January, it's beautiful. Uh, so today we're going to be talking um, about some of the events at the Capitol that happened uh, last week for us, and uh, there's a lot we can talk about, uh, and what we really want to focus in on is the Christian response to that, and uh, and how as Christians we can be um, helpful in this situation. So Dan, um, why don't you uh, bring some initial thoughts about what, yeah. what it was like for you to experience that? Well, sure, and I, and I think it, in all cases, uh, a helpful thing for us as Christians to to do in, in a situation like this is to ask the question, what will be helpful um, with our words? Many of us want to vent. I think we got to pause and say, what will be helpful? Um, we want to complain or we want to silo ourselves with the people that we know think the same as we do. We've got to just pause and ask the question, what will be helpful? And so that that's a lot of what we want to do in this episode. And there, there may be future episodes also just to look at the situation and say, what, what are going to be helpful ways for us as Christians to respond? What are helpful lessons to get? Because I think it's, it's not just looking at the event itself, with, with, which, you know, depending on whether you're calling it um, a protest, a riot, an insurrection, which it, insurrection actually does seem to fit the criteria in some ways, and some of the people involved even use that terminology. So not trying to be extremist, but just uh, as we take that in, um, to look at that. And, and I think all, all of us have different gut reactions to it. Um, I know you and I have different gut react. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when we've talked, there's been different things that, that seem to rise to the area of emphasis for you than do for me. So, so I mm-hmm. think that that's true across the board of people. And so as we're looking at it, I think, um, one, one thing that I think we can start with is to say, when we're looking at any event like this, um, and we're trying to look for sort of causes and who's to blame, um, as believers, I think the first thing that we should say is this was wrong, this was sinful, what happened with people storming the Capitol, and the main people to blame are the people who stormed the Capitol. Um, th- this happens every time there's a school shooting that there's a big discussion about, you know, who's at fault and the NRA and things like that. And there is room in cases like that for a wider discussion about what led us to this moment. But I always want to start by saying the, the person we blame is the shooter. The person that we blame is the person who perpetrated an evil act. So we start with that, with just saying, all right, um, we should be able to do that. You should be able to do that whether you're on the right or whether you're on the left to say this was an, an evil, sinful thing that was be, should, that was done. It's not something that Christians should shrug our shoulders at. Um, certainly not the first time we've seen something riotous um, this year. We, we've seen it all the time. And, and I think part of there are different people that experience frustrations over how different sorts of riots are covered and are um, and are handled. And so I think that it's wise for us to look to say, all right, as Christians, we want to be consistent of that. Whatever side of the political aisle that you're on, um, it's not bad when somebody else does it and good when your side does it or understandable. Um, we want to look at that with consistency. James 2, 1 talks about the, the lack of a place for favoritism within the gospel of Jesus. Um, so we need to be set free enough to say, there's an evil thing that happened um, that shouldn't utterly shock us because we we read the Bible. We, we don't get this glowing picture of mankind. And it also is an opportunity for us to say, all right, we've had a year where there's been a lot of civil unrest. 
Um, there were a lot of protests and, and riots that were more on the political left. This was something that, by all accounts, was on the political right. Um, this should be something that's an opportunity for us to say, we need to say the same thing about these things, and we need to be bold enough to talk about something that's wrong, whether it's our side that did it or the other side who did it. So that at least is an initial thought to say before we move on to who all is to blame and is it Trump, is it the media, is it you know any number of things to say people have responsibility for their actions. They are to blame for what happened. And we want to be able to say that regardless of whether or not it's people that we identify with in some way or don't identify with in some way. And I think that's a good point because I think that goes even beyond your initial, um, uh, what you initially share about it to even in the dialogue with people who are upset about what's happening and, you know, and, and uh, which we all should be. But I remember um, online and even interactions with some people, you know, there's that, you know, I'm, I'm really upset as well, but don't, don't, don't forget these factors are at play. Right. You know, and that immediately takes a person who's still struggling with, with, you know, anger, maybe even shock and fear about what's happening. And you begin to start those conversations about what are the factors that play beyond that without initially just talking about it. it's okay to feel frustrated and feel mad and feel sad and disappointed that this is happening. And I'm here with you in that, yeah. you know, even if I, even if the reason why I'm having this conversation is because, you know, I don't agree with you and you want to place blame, I'm here with you in that, that that is not okay to happen. Yeah. Well, and I think that's right. Just even in saying, be, before we sort of move on to like the ideological things, just to say, it's okay for a person just to say like, I'm not even trying to make a point. I'm just saying I'm freaked out. Sure. Like, it, like when you, you were actually the one that first told me what was going on yeah. on the Wednesday. And I'll, I'll be real. I thought, I thought you must be mistaken. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, I no, I, I don't think that's going on. I, I know that there is a rally and, just because it just didn't sound like it was possible that yeah. something like that could have happened. So so it is an opportunity for us as believers just to look to show compassion and walk with brothers and sisters in Christ or people who aren't brothers and sisters in Christ that are just saying, this scares me. because I, And I think one of the reasons that it did, there are some people that are saying, why such an emphasis on this versus some of the other, the, the many other riots? And, you know, for Portland, it was like six straight months of civil unrest and riots. Um, and and I don't I don't think it's a matter of saying this is somehow worse, but I think when you see when you see something like this that many of us would thought well it just wouldn't be possible for this mm -hmm. to happen, it does give more of a shock to the system. And I would say I I think that all the riots that have happened all year have been wrong and sinful. This one did hit me in a different way because I just thought this can't happen. And when it does, it just makes your overall sense of like well being and security feel like. Oh my gosh, if this is possible, what else is possible? Which is right. bad, yeah. but also maybe even as we think of how we respond, a helpful way for us as Christians to respond is to say, when God allows the foundations to be shaken in that way, it is an opportunity for us to make sure that our hope is in him. Yeah. To say, there is no prophecy in the Bible that says that the United States will stand perpetually. Um, we, are, we are fragile just like every other kingdom. Babylon went down, Assyria went down, Persia went down, Greece, Rome, like we, we are not exempt from that. So as troubling as that is, it probably is, and not even probably, it is also an opportunity to say, well, the kingdom of God is where our hope is mm -hmm. and not in the strength of how our system works in the U.S. because um, that felt like a flashpoint of just the fragility of it all. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to share when we talk about being things that are helpful. Just a reminder that 
we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And, you know, it doesn't mean that um, it's uh, bad to be proud of your country or to be involved in politics, but the kingdom of God is above all of those things, and, and we belong to that. And, and the thing is, is that in the Bible, politics isn't, it's not not mentioned. I mean, you know, in the Gospel of John, when, when Pilate is talking to, to Jesus and he's trying to figure out, he's like, so you're a king, right? You know, like, and Jesus is like, well, you know, and he's like, he's wanting to know, like, are you a political rival? Is that why you're here? And do I need to, do I need to agree with the angry mob for the sake of my own throne? You know, and Jesus is like, here, here's the deal. If I was like an earthly king, you wouldn't be able to stop me. But I'm not, I'm not here for that, you know? And it reminds me, it's like, not that it's bad to be involved in those things, is that those aren't the end all be all. And, and those don't carry the hope. Yeah. The changes that they promise, um, as passionate as we can get about it, I wish that we were as passionate about the kingdom of God. And, and, and just remember that we're, we're citizens of heaven first. And, and I think that is helpful to think like that because cause then what becomes our, our, our guide for, for even engaging with those who are different or even engaging in our own country or things we disagree with is scripture. And it's the, the way that Jesus engaged with the world around him and the, and the way the disciples show us how to, how to lead a Christian, how to be involved in a Christian community in a, in a church. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, it allows us to feel at ease and, and, and maybe not so much unrest and unsettlement to know that that in the end, you know, our citizenship belongs in heaven. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, the, the book of Daniel comes to mind just as you're talking about those things where um, you have, amongst other things, you have a couple times that Daniel ends up with with these bizarre visions and the visions have to do with the kingdoms of men mm-hmm. and part of the whole part of the whole process of what's going on in the visions is God is demonstrating that kingdom after kingdom is going to come that just seems it, it just seems invincible you know I mean Babylon no way Babylon's going anywhere Babylon's defeated right. oh, Persia no way that's going Greece you know Rome surely that like nobody could ever defeat them and so just the fragility of all of that, and also just the idea of Daniel and, and the people who are with him living through those times, those are tumultuous times. I mean, Daniel went through different regimes while in exile. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm with Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, and oops, here comes Darius. Yeah. And that that's a lot of unrest and uncertainty, and just the constant peace that Daniel is being invited to in that that nothing will thwart God's kingdom, and also the constant reminder throughout this, hey, God can take Nebuchadnezzar, and, and make him a beast for a number of months. Um, God can take Darius and he can thwart him in anything that he's going to do by closing the mouths of the lions. So I think you're right in that. And and something else, and it's hard because this is a way bigger subject, but that we were talking about beforehand that I think is worth us saying is um, it, it's obvious with what's happened all year, but, but certainly with what happened with the Capitol is another point that, that points to it to it is just um that at this time in our country many of us are living in very different realities from one another mm-hmm. um and i used to joke back back before all the shutdown when I'd, I'd go to the gym i would just be listening to my own stuff on on my phone but i'd look up at the tvs and there would be fox news and cnn right next to each other and and just watching even without the sound i remember my, my thought was always those people are living in two different countries like it is just, it is not the same stuff. 
And so I, I, I think that reality comes into play. And for us looking at it, it's easy for our response to be to despise the people that we think are living in la la land and not living in real facts. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's you know it's it's easy if if you're looking at the um, a, a lot of the left wing riots that happened this year, it's easy to look at that and be like, oh, what do those people know? Um, they think that there's this you know big systemic thing going on, but if you actually look at the facts, that they're, they're just wrong about that. Mm-hmm. And then there could be people that say, oh, look at this big mob that came and you know and said that Trump had really won. They're just not living in in reality. So it's easy for us to despise people. It's, it's probably easy for some of us to like despise both sides and be like, ah, they're both, right. I'm the only one that has it right. Um, and I think instead it's an opportunity for us as believers to say, we're not being called to agree with everyone's take on what reality is. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. And, and it would be impossible. But I think what we are being called to do is to say, we, we wanna give people the gift of listening with empathy and understanding and saying, what gets a person to that time? And if we're, if we're looking at any of the riots this year um, and we're looking at the people who are doing them as if they're a different species, we're kidding ourselves. Any of us could, could be driven to that point. It, it doesn't excuse it, but any of us could be at the point where we would do something like that. So I think part of the response to this is just to say, how can I interact with people who seem to be engaging with this stuff and their thoughts on it are so different than mine? How do I look to move towards them? And uh, I know that this is something that uh, I'll credit Karina with, I'll credit my wife with, and uh, that she's championed and, and has really helped our relationship. She said, you know what, when people feel understood, they calm down. Um, it's probably a proverb, it's not like 100% of the time, but in general, when people feel understood, they calm down. And when people feel like nobody understands them, they panic and they flail. So with, without excusing anything, I think we can look at that and say, we have people in our circles that, and probably were, probably were correct to say, they are not interacting with reality. They, they are believing things that, that they shouldn't believe just about the world. Um, and we can, we can either shame them for it, ignore them for it, or just get into tit for tat arguments of trying to convince them that they're wrong. Or we can start with the idea of saying, what what might change if this person felt understood and didn't feel so alone in this? And that might be a path to be a gift for them and a path to, to try to, as the church, be the example of how we broker unity when we're dealing with something like this. Yeah, I, I think that's at the root of it. And I think that's, uh, there's small steps and there's there's big steps within that. I think there's three there's three, really three ways that you can pr- live out kind of what you said. I think one is kind of the first thing that you said is that we need like to deeply understand that people really aren't all consuming the same type of information in, in media. Like the reason why the person does not agree with you is not necessarily because there's something inherently wrong. They're literally not watching 50, 60 hours of news that you are. And, and they're not going to because they don't think that that's correct. Um, but also the second thing is, is, is that maybe us as individuals have to branch out a little bit to understand that. Like, what is it that they're listening to? You know, why does it seem so different than myself? Or maybe the things I listen to uh, need to be, maybe not agree with everything, all the ways that I think. Maybe I need to look for more nonprofit yeah. sources of news, news that information that isn't, isn't biased, which is really hard. I think those are both internal things, but like what you shared, I think the last thing you really do is really spend time with someone. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest one because it takes some humility. Um, I think that that necessarily isn't modeled all that well 
even even a lot of the information that I like that I think is pretty unbiased and maybe some nonprofit news sources, they still have people who, who have their same perspective on their shows or, or write for them or do editorial content. They're not like, here's someone who we disagree with who's going to be on our show so that we can have healthy dialogue. Um, so I think it's hard because it's not modeled, but I think yeah. that we, we have those people in our lives, and if we don't have them in our lives, they're probably on our social media. And one thing they're not getting from someone that if you disagree with them is they're not getting questions about themselves, their story, why, why they believe that. Instead, they're just getting facts spewed out of them, or yeah. I disagree with you and here's why. You know, um, I think we need to, to, to practice that. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and I think, you know, and, and what you just said there, it's hard. Like, there's a reason why we don't practice that as much as, as we could, because it is hard. Like, the, what we're talking about right here um, is not just saying, hey, be nice to people. What we're talking about here is actually like a bold, difficult calling that like have some guts, buckle up if you want to do this, because this is a high calling to try to do this. Um, it's not easy. It's frustrating. And the easy thing to do um, is just to say my my perspective on this makes sense right now. Um, but but even I mean, seeking out the information like uh, earlier this week. Um, I started seeing everybody post about um, Parler being shut down and, and sort of being deplatformed. De and the, the thought that went through my head is I said, I know right now exactly why people are alarmed by this happening. I felt like that side makes sense to me. I was like, what I need to find out is why deplatforming them or, or whatever you would call um, makes sense to somebody. And I went to find articles that would at least give me that side to say, okay, now I feel like I understand why this isn't a slam dunk case. And I think for most of us, you know, for, you know, it, it, we're all coming from different places. Um, if you're looking at what happened at the Capitol and you're saying my, that this is deeply alarming to me and you say that to somebody like, gosh, can you believe what happened at, at you know, at the Capitol building? And somebody's response to you is to say, um, I'm not saying it was right, but I understand why those people did that. You could say, I don't, I think that, you know, or you can say, really like help me understand why you say that um n not only is it an opportunity to learn and some of those times you're going to come away saying okay i i actually I, I see this a little bit differently but also what you're doing for that person is you're communicating to them around me you don't have to flail around mm. me i'm seeking to understand you and man, the calm that can happen and the room that can happen when things like this and somebody saying, okay, now, now maybe I'm willing to listen to you also. And all right, I, I can understand why you'd say that. Um, man, the temperature goes down and the understanding goes up. And in the church of Jesus, we want to be in a place and, and sometimes it feels like pie in the sky to say, hey, we, we want to be in a place where people can have voted for different candidates and can have you know different ideas of the best way to tackle some of the big issues of our time. And part of the way that we're going to get there is if we're saying to each other, um, I didn't vote that way, but help me understand why you did. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, you know, I, I, I might have said this the last time we did the podcast, but I'm seeing so many people when the election was being led up to and afterwards saying, you know, something to the effect of, I just don't understand how anybody could have voted for Trump. And I'm like, over 70 million people did. That's right. a big, or somebody else saying, I don't understand how any Christian could vote for Biden and being like, millions did. Right. Like that's just a real, so you can just stay in that space. I'd say is if you don't understand, it's a great time to say to somebody, Hey, I don't understand. And to genuinely listen. 
And I think the fear that we have is we feel like that's me saying that they're right or endorsing their point of view, or that's me saying that maybe I should change my mind. It's not saying any of that. It's saying that you care enough about that person to understand where they're coming from. And if you really feel like they believe something alarming that needs to be changed, um, it's probably not going to be changed through you opposing them on it. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be changed through them feeling like this is a person who actually understands me. And now I'm a little bit more open to reconsidering where I'm at. I think it's a good point because I think that um, some of our fears and my fears is that there's the um, it can become so extreme that people are doing things that you are worried about their what their what their thoughts are being obsessed with what they might go do um and i think that you know if you feel that you have a friend hopefully someone you know deeply not just a stranger that you're concerned um about them that it's not just giving them information or telling them that they're wrong that it's a much more personal interpersonal um way forward and involves deeply understanding them and giving the space instead of being louder yeah. When I, and I think it also, it just reflects the idea that what, what happened on Wednesday didn't happen, happen out of nowhere. Uh, there were there were 115 things that led to that moment. Like there were all of these things that went into it, which again, doesn't excuse it at all, but puts us in a place of saying, if we're looking to respond in a helpful way, and we're looking to be part of things that are actually going to help solve significant problems, um, we, we've got to look at it and say there's going to be complicated, multi-nuanced ways that we're handling very complicated problems that led us to where we are right now. And sometimes it's just a matter as a believer of saying, what is the next thing that the Lord is calling me to do? Not the wholesale solution, but what is the next thing that God is calling me to do to look to be a part of a very complicated solution to a very complicated problem? Yeah. Uh, I've got a question for you to, to maybe take it in, in a new direction. Um, I'd love to know kind of your thoughts on what the local church's role is in unity. And, and maybe, you know, you could share maybe an experience of, of what you've seen um, a church foster unity, whether it's believers or, or in a country. And I think one of the difficulties is, is that, you know, a lot of our churches and denominations exist today because of disagreements, either socially or theologically, that kind of effectively took people with like-minded thoughts into one specific place. But what is a local church's role within unity among believers and among maybe the society that they're in? And have you ever seen that done well? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, ideally you'd look, you'd look at this and, and you look at the, um, the New Testament with, with all the talk of the Jew and the Gentile, which is just, it's, it's the ultimate flashpoint of that unity happening within the church. And to say, the church is meant to be the context where unity that can't happen in other places is happening, where you're seeing people that otherwise they're not in the same circles, they're, they're not getting together, they're not, they're not uh, finding common ground or finding common ground here because we have the ultimate common ground. We are brought into the family of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have one baptism, one faith, one Lord. So, so that idea is meant to be there. You know, how, how that affects the culture as a whole, I think it's complicated mm-hmm. because I think in a way you could say, well, it models that. But if it's based on our oneness in Christ, it's not, it's not automatically transferable to people whose identity is not in Christ or who have a wildly different view of the world. Um, you know, Jesus talks about the idea that he came to bring a sword. And 
partially what that means is he came to bring division. He came to expose that there's something going on. So, so I think it's complicated when we get into it as a culture as a whole, but I'd say, I think the number one thing, and th- this I think does apply more broadly than the church, but um, proximity makes a huge difference mm. in this. Um, and, and most of us practice this. Like, I, you know, I, I've joked at different times about how I'll have sometimes people that are, are generally hostile towards Christians, and they'll say to me, like, but not you, you're different. I'm like, the only reason why you're saying that is because I'm the Christian you knew. Right. The more Christians you know, the more Christians you would say, um, most Christians, but not you, 150 that I know. And at some point you'd say, maybe I'm wrong in general about how I'm categorizing Christians. And, you know, let, let's say, I, you know, somebody grew up, um, in fact, I knew a guy who grew up um, in a context where when he was a kid, um, the, there were Mexican kids who beat him up every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not hard to understand how he ended up being prejudiced against Mexicans. Mm-hmm. And so if that's your context, I know he would have had people in his life that he would have said Mexicans, but not you. The more he knows, the more that's going to be broken down. And so whether it's racial, you know, it could be political for saying, well, man, Democrats, just godless Democrats, but, but not you. you you're, you're a good godly Democrat. The more you know, the more it's going to be broken down. So I think part of it is just saying being truly involved in the life of the church and with other believers is going to force you to do that to a certain degree. Um, I would also say, and this is, you know, uh, not quickly leaving your church because there's something difficult is a way of leaning into this. Mm-hmm. Not quickly leaving your small group because people don't all seem to handle things exactly the way that you do is a way of doing this. I think asking more questions than sort of demanding that people listen to you. I think looking to cultivate context where it's not just a bunch of people all at the exact same stage of life and doing the same things is a big thing. Um, there are reasons why we'll have, you know, small groups that are all young families that, that that's not wrong. But if what we're doing is we're saying, well, we're getting together in a church and look at the wide body of Christ. Now we're only going to interact with right. people within five years of us and who look just like us. Right. We're undercutting that. So uh, I think within the context of the church, first of all, just being part of the community forces you to do this to some degree. I'd say be slow to abandon the context that God has put you in. Mm. Lean in instead, and you'll be forced into a situation where you'll have to rethink things, and you'll end up having the opportunity for unity with people that otherwise you you would have walked away from long ago. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes me think a lot of, like, global opportunities, right? When, when you go and you interact with often Christians and, and even non-Christians, some outreach efforts from other countries, really begins to change your worldview of of who's right and who's wrong, right? Okay. Because yeah. they're worshiping in a completely different way. They live in a completely different standard. They live in a completely different government and socioeconomic system, and yet they can still be brothers and sisters in Christ. And yeah. you can, you're can you uniting over different things. You're, you're uniting over the fact that you're both there to serve or you're both there to, to worship. And to me, I can look at those moments in my life and say, that's really helped me look at my neighbor differently. Because I was able to worship in a different language in a setting that would be possibly unfamiliar or maybe even uncomfortable for me, but I did it for the sake of getting to know another believer or another person. And and uh, how can you not take those things back to your own setting yeah. and your own perspective? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's true. And I, I do think um, the greatest hope for for unity in our time is 
through the Church of Jesus. Um, I think as we're increasingly moving to a time where we have opportunities to to bunker in with people who think the way that we do, um, the the church is is a huge area of hope in mm-hmm. all of this. And it's something that we want to lean into. It's something that is not for the faint of heart. And so I, and I think it is difficult because there are people that sometimes think like, ah, doing that is just being wishy-washy. Doing that is not really taking a stand. I just believe firmly it, it is the exact opposite mm-hmm. of that. Um, you can have a lot of people taking strong stands by just giving red meat to all of the people who think exactly like they do. And they call themselves brave. Um, it takes a lot more courage to say, I'm going to labor in a context where I'm trying to understand people and trying to bring unity than by just rallying together people who already think exactly like I do. And yeah. I think that's a calling for us as a church and a calling that if each of us lives out, um, it's, it's going to stand out in a world. People are going to take notice of a very different way that we're acting. Yeah, I love that. And, I, and as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's kind of like, the best picture of the church, the early church, is this extremely diverse group of people who, uh, if it wasn't for Jesus, wouldn't have been in the same room together. For sure. Let alone worshiping together and breaking bread together and sharing those things. Well, thank you so much for your time. We could talk at length mm-hmm. about this. This is part a little bit part of our new format for the show that we're going to just try to continue to stay um, uh, on topic of what's happening in our world. The Christian contrast, you know, we talk about ways in which we can live differently in the world around us. So we're going to um, have a regular uh, episode where we talk about what's happening in the world around us and how we as Christians uh, react to that. So I want to thank you, Dan, for yeah. being on. Happy and, to uh, do it. Yeah. I want to encourage you. It may feel vulnerable to, to leave a comment and talk about uh, some of your thoughts um, about what happened last week at the Capitol. Uh, but I think that's okay. Um, I think uh, I'm willing to, to risk uh, some interesting dialogue here. Uh, in the comments of this show because I think that uh, it's worth seeing each other and seeing each other's perspective. So as always, uh, thanks for listening.